Japanese culture features a concept known as Hansei, a process of rigorous self-examination and accountability. At Toyota, for example, following every project, even a successful one, a Hensei Kai evaluation takes place to focus on prospective improvement. The opposite of this disposition might be the psychological concept of projection, formulated by Freud in late 19th century letters to Wilhelm Fleece and further developed by Freud's daughter Anna. Projection denotes a transfer of blame from one's self to another in an effort to defend one's ego from injury. One of the most complicated narratives in the Torah takes place this week between the twin brothers Yaakov and Esav, arch nemeses already in the womb. Early in the Parsha, an exhausted Esav sells his firstborn birthright to Yaakov for a bowl of lentil soup. Then later on, Rivka helps Yaakov orchestrate a scheme to mislead his father Yitzchak and secure the favorite blessings for righteous reasons beyond our purview here. Unsurprisingly, Esav is quite distressed when he learns that Yaakov has outmaneuvered him. And he said, is it for this reason that he was named Yaakov? For he has deceived me, Yaakveni, from the word deception connected to Yaakov's actual name. He took my birthright and behold, now he has taken my blessing. While it is true that Yaakov has deceived him, albeit justifiably, when it comes to the blessings, the birthright was sold fairly by Esau for a simple bowl of soup. Esau has no one to blame but himself. Seemingly, the timeless emotional mechanism of projection is at play here. Despite obvious evidence to the contrary, Esau externalizes culpability onto his twin brother rather than accept the consequences of his own impulsive choices. I do not believe this is the first example of projection in the Torah, nor even the most consequential. When Adam and Chava ate from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and were confronted by God, he immediately blamed her, while she in turn blamed the serpent. The results were catastrophic and far-reaching for humankind. While Freud, as the father of modern psychology, may have popularized the notion of projection in academic parlance, we find its conceptual antecedent thousands of years earlier in the Talmudic statement that whoever invalidates another does so with his own shortcoming. People tend to identify in others the very deficiencies from which they themselves suffer. I'm the son of a psychologist, but no expert myself. Still, I would speculate that we struggle to acknowledge our errors because, in some deep sense, we imagine that doing so negates our very being. If we idealize perfection, then admitting our distance from it condemns our humanity. A gentle but profound philosophical pivot would eliminate the need for such strenuous ego defenses. I recently interviewed Dr. David Lucan, the chair of political science at Turo University, who quoted his teacher, Rabbi Aaron Soloveitchik, on the nature of human existence. Rabbi Soloveitchik said, a perfect God dared to create an imperfect world and deigned to create an imperfect creature, Jew and non-Jew, and gave all of us the daunting task of perfecting his imperfect world. When perfection is no longer our objective, we can tolerate its absence, allowing for the self-critique required to achieve greatness. How different would our world be today if we could replace our current culture of blame and projection with a culture of self-reflection? Let us draw from the wisdom of the Talmud, echoed later by Hansei and later still by modern psychology. Let us orient ourselves introspectively, coupled with a generous disposition towards others. Shabbat Shalom.